Hello and welcome to Random Interesting Facts, the podcast about everything and nothing, with your host 42. This week's topic is water. So let's dive right in with fact number one. All of the water on Earth is alien. Now, I'm not saying that the oceans are out there chasing down and trying to eat Sigourney Weaver, but the origin of all water on Earth is extraterrestrial. Around 70% of our planet's surface is covered with water. And we are the only known planet in our solar system that has bodies of water at all. Because we are uniquely positioned at the exact distance from the sun required for liquid water to exist. We call this the Goldilocks zone. Not too hot, not too cold, but just right. Without liquid water, the miracle of life wouldn't be possible. Yes, even you. Water is the most abundant molecule in biological entities. And without it, people, animals and plants simply couldn't survive. Now, that does technically mean that water is responsible for absolute shits like Adolf Hitler and estate agents. But it also gave us Danny DeVito. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. Not only do we need to consume water to survive, but it also helps us to regulate the temperature of Earth. Clouds reflect radiation from the sun, which helps to cool the Earth's surface, whilst ocean currents absorb and transport heat around the world. Warm currents take heat from the equator towards the poles, and cold currents take it away from the poles to convect cooler temperatures towards the equator. This process helps to counteract the uneven distribution of heat from the sun and prevents extreme temperatures, which could lead to a much larger proportion of Earth being uninhabitable. Water is basically nature's air conditioning system. Take away most of the water from our planet and virtually every living being would die save for a few hardy animals, a couple of insects, and Keith Richards. Of course, we weren't always blessed with the abundance of life-giving water that we have today. The first half billion years of Earth's life are known as the Hadean era, named after the fiery hell that is the Greek underworld, Hades. Our planet was young and still forming, and was pretty much a fiery ball of spinning gas and dust at this point. Over time, this scattered dust began to accrete, along with whatever debris happens to have been hurtling through space at the time. As this continued, small blocks of rocks formed, which in turn crashed into each other and fused to become larger and larger blocks this process continued for millions of years, with those chunks eventually forming celestial bodies called planetismals, which are the literal building blocks that can go on to form giant planets. A bit like Lego. Space Lego. 
In those early days, it would have been too hot for water particles to condense into liquid. Which begs the question, where did our water on planet Earth come from? Well, scientists believe that comets or asteroids could have acted as the courier that brought us our oceans. Comets and asteroids are actually a little bit different from each other. Both formed over 4 billion years ago, and both are basically giant flying rocks. But that's where their similarities end. Comets are composed of ice and dust, whilst asteroids contain metals and were formed too close to the sun for their ice to remain solid. But both contain water, either as frozen ice or liquid water. And when they smashed into Earth in those early days, they brought their interstellar water with them. And luckily, science has a test that can determine the origin of water. By measuring the deuterium to hydrogen ratio, or DH ratio, in water, we can narrow down where said water originated from in our solar system. So, researchers compared the DH ratio in the water from our oceans to that of various comets and asteroids, and they found that comets contain significantly more deuterium than ocean water does. Asteroids, on the other hand, were a much, much closer match, suggesting most of our water came from asteroids. But a brand new theory has since emerged, just this year actually, which argues that some of our water may have come from the early foundations of Earth itself, with gas stored deep within the dry scorching rock, until a time when the temperature cooled enough for it to be condensed into liquid water. This theory still recognises asteroids as being responsible for our oceans, and in fact it argues that this process helped the Earth to cool enough for its own primordial water to surface. And so as it stands, asteroids are still widely recognised as being responsible for pretty much all of the water on Earth. So there you have it. Hollywood would have you believe that those evil asteroids and comets are purveyors of destruction, carriers of death, and harbingers of extinction. But in reality, they are very likely responsible for all life on Earth. Until they go and bloody wipe it out again. Tch, typical asteroids. Next up, moments from history. Where, each week, we look back at one particularly odd moment from the past. This week, we're travelling back to ancient Egypt to roughly 2280 BC, when Pharaoh Pepi II developed a highly unusual form of pest control, involving slaves, honey, and a whole lot of nudity. More on that in a second, but first, who was Pepi II? Well, Pepi II was the fifth king of the sixth dynasty of ancient Egypt, are you still with me? Right, good. Let's move on. He ascended to the throne at the tender age of six, 
but he wasn't really in charge, since he was, you know, six goddamn years old. Instead, the power rested mostly with Pepe's mother, until he was old enough to take over. Pepe's reign supposedly lasted for 94 years. This would make him the world's longest reigning monarch, beating Louis the Great of France by more than two decades. If you smell bullshit, then so did historians, who think Pepe's reign was more like 64 years. Either way, I'd say he was doing alright when you consider the average life expectancy at the time was less than 40. Now, you might be thinking, of course he lived to a good age. He was the king of Egypt, after all. He lived a life of wealth and luxury, and as many grapes and foot rubs as he damn well pleased. But, whilst that may be sort of true, the great Cleopatra never made it to her 40th birthday, and Tutankhamun didn't see his 20th. Granted, the former killed herself with a venomous snake, which doesn't usually help your life expectancy. But anyway, you get where I'm coming from. And I mean, even by today's standards, 100 is pretty good going. Anyway, what was I talking about? That's right, the long reign of the last ruler of the sixth dynasty of ancient Egypt was seemingly plagued by problems. And no, that's not a biblical joke. Unless you think it's funny, then laugh. Pepe, amongst others, is believed to have contributed to the collapse of the old kingdom of Egypt. Historians believe that his advancing age and outdated approach was a major factor in political instability during and preceding his reign. But despite being the world's longest reigning monarch and causing the downfall of the old kingdom of Egypt, Pepe is surprisingly more famous for something else entirely. Something much more bizarre. To say he was an odd man is an understatement. In fact, to say he was a batshit crazy stark raving mad freaking lunatic might also be an understatement. He had a bunch of wives, which on the surface isn't too unusual, as it was common and acceptable for pharaohs to practice polygamy. But, if you dig a little deeper, you'll discover that at least four of his wives were his half-sisters, and, some historians believe, one of them was his own daughter. Yeah, that must have made for some seriously awkward introductions at parties. It would appear that our old pharaoh friend Pepe wasn't much of a fan of non-incestual nuptials. In fact, there was only one thing he hated more than marrying outside of his own bloodline. And that one thing, ladies and gentlemen, was flies. Pepe II, King of Egypt, supposedly hated flies with the fire of a thousand raging suns. He hated them so much, in fact, that he developed his very own weird form of insect repellent. The aging pharaoh would force his slaves to sleep in his chamber at night, completely nude and smeared from head to toe with honey. And when I say smeared, I mean even in all those little dark places. This, he thought, would keep the flies away from him during his incestuous nights of passion. 
And, if historians are to be believed, it was a relatively successful approach. I'm not sure the slaves with honey up their arse crack would have agreed, mind you. American comedian Dave Chappelle spawned a now-famous meme when he said, Modern problems require modern solutions. But I've never heard anyone say, Ancient problems require naked honey-smeared slaves. Have you? Doesn't really have the same ring to it, does it? Now, we'll take a quick break, and soon we'll be back with fact number two. Fact number two. Too much water can kill you. To be specific here, drinking too much water can kill you. Obviously, too much water in other forms can kill you pretty damn easily, like, you know, drowning, tsunamis, and waterboarding. But doctors, dietitians, and even most of those kooky wellness lunatics unanimously agree that we should all drink plenty of water in order to avoid dehydration. And it sounds sensible, right? After all, dehydration causes headaches, muscle cramps, fatigue, dizziness, fainting, and, hmm, I feel like I'm forgetting one. Oh yeah, death. In fact, you'll die in as little as three to four days without water. But did you know overhydrating can be just as deadly? Drinking too much water can lead to water intoxication or water poisoning. This occurs when the sodium levels in your cells drops, leaving excessive fluid in your system, which causes your cells to swell up. And swollen brain cells exert pressure on your brain, which can lead to headaches, fatigue, and fainting. It can also increase blood pressure, lower heart rate, and in extreme cases causes seizures, comas, and death. So yeah, bear that in mind the next time you're dying of thirst. Unfortunately, California radio station KDND didn't seem to care much about minor inconveniences like death. Because in 2007, a 28-year-old woman named Jennifer Strange tragically died just hours after taking part in a water drinking contest hosted by the station. The so-called hold your wee for a wee competition lasted three hours and promised a contestant who glugged the most water without going to the toilet a Nintendo Wii for their efforts. What could possibly go wrong? I'm sure they consulted many medical professionals to make sure that wasn't a stupid idea, right? Wrong. In fact, during the contest, the host actually laughed off a concerned nurse who called in to advise that the contestants were risking their lives. And he even went as far to joke, is anyone dying in there? To make things worse, they continued to laugh and joke after Jennifer complained of having a headache live on air. In 2009, the station was found liable for her death and forced to pay over $16 million in damages. Yeah, I bet they're not laughing anymore. 
A quick internet search and you'll find a myriad of stories like this, where seemingly healthy, everyday people succumb to the effects of water intoxication. In 2005, a 21-year-old college student passed away after being encouraged to guzzle copious amounts of water in a fraternity hazing gone wrong. And just last year, an 11-year-old boy died after his parents forced him to drink up to 3 litres of water in less than 4 hours, all because his urine was a bit too dark for their liking. Water poisoning doesn't just affect regular people either. Even super healthy athletes are at risk of feeling the effects of overhydration. In fact, close to one in six marathon runners are believed to have experienced some form of hyponatremia, a condition caused by excessive water clogging up the kidneys and preventing them from effectively controlling the volume of water and salt in the blood. A study published in 2015 suggested that at least 14 people have succumbed from loading up on extreme volumes of water before taking part in sporting activities. The surprising thing is this study didn't only affect those doing strenuous sports like marathon running and playing football. The research suggests that this condition also affects people doing less physically demanding sports like golf which I know can be quite difficult at times, and at least one person who kicked the bucket taking part in lawn green bowling after drinking too much water. Experts warn that flooding your body with excess fluids in advance of taking part in sporting activities is a one-way ticket to overhydration. And they advise that for most of us at least, you don't need to drink all the time because our body has a pretty good signaling system to tell us that we might need to think about having a little drink. Can you guess what that signal might be? Drum roll, please. It's first. Yeah, obviously. Okay, so you might have been able to guess that. But how much water should we really drink then? Ask anyone you know and they'll probably say eight glasses per day is sufficient. But most people likely don't know where this advice actually came from in the first place. And that explanation seems to be nothing more than a best guess. And every person is unique. Instead, health experts today actually suggest that you should just listen to your bodies and simply drink water whenever you feel thirsty. And it's as simple as that. Fact number three. Every day, you drink the same water that the dinosaurs did. All the water on planet Earth today is all the water that has ever been on planet Earth. That's right. For over 5 billion years, our water has been recycled over and over again, and only a tiny fraction of it has ever managed to escape our atmosphere and travel back into space. When this water vapour begins to cool, it turns back into liquid water in the form of clouds. The more vapour that turns to liquid, the heavier the cloud becomes, and when it reaches its breaking point, it falls back down to Earth as rain, sleet, snow or hail, into our oceans, lakes and rivers, to start the cycle all over again. To sum things up then, our breathtaking planet is basically just an enormous toilet. Yeah, I'm sure I could have put that more eloquently.
but I didn't. So, yeah. Some of the water that falls back to Earth seeps below ground and is stored in what we call an aquifer. This is where most of the water that we use for domestic and agricultural purposes, including drinking water, actually comes from. So how do we still experience water shortages and things like hosepipe bans when so much of the planet is covered with water and that same water is endlessly recycled? Well, quite simply, water shortages occur when we use our supply quicker than the natural recycling process can replenish it. And sure enough, with a rapidly increasing population and rising temperatures, we are consuming water at a rate that Mother Nature is struggling to keep up with. But just like the Earth, we humans also recycle the water we consume. We don't just absorb it and bury it deep within ourselves forever, like we do with our darkest secrets and that weird thing you did with your best friend in college. That shall never be talked about ever again. Instead, all the water that goes into our bodies must come out again via sweat, urine, and as water vapor when we exhale breath. And guess what? Every living creature on Earth does the exact same thing. Plants also recycle all the water they use via evaporation back into the atmosphere. This means that a little over 200 million years ago, dinosaurs were surrounded by and drank the very same particles of H2O that you drink every day. The liquid in your coffee was probably consumed by a parched velociraptor millions of years ago and many other creatures since. That same water has existed for billions of years, passing through plant after plant, animal after animal, and human after human, just to get to you. Ew, that's actually really gross. Hey, but don't sweat it. We now have highly advanced filtration systems to make sure that prehistoric dino piss in your glass is perfectly clean and safe, just for you. You're welcome. And that's a good job because only 0.3% of the water on our planet is actually drinkable. That's right, less than half a percent of the water on Earth is what we can use to survive. 97.2% of the world's water is salt water. 2.1% is frozen inside the ice caps. 0.6% is groundwater and the remaining 0.3% is fresh water that we can use for drinking. This is known as potable water. But that's not all we use it for. We use that pitiful amount of water for farming, manufacturing, and personal hygiene, amongst many other needs. Considering there are 7.6 billion people on the planet that use water every day, and all of those people share 0.3% of the Earth's potable water, that just goes to show the unbelievable volume of total water our blue planet has. That number, by the way, is a mind-boggling 326 million trillion gallons. That's a really big number. But 
All of this may be about to change. There are multiple efforts going on right now to enable parts of the world, especially those without ready access to fresh water supplies, such as those that are particularly dry and arid, to be able to drink salty seawater in a healthy way. Since seawater supplies are basically unlimited, there are huge incentives. The salt in seawater dehydrates the body, but if we can remove that salt for a process known as desalination, we could, theoretically, drink it to survive. We are actually desalinating water right now through two processes, thermal distillation and reverse osmosis. There are 20,500 desalination plants across 150 different countries, providing water for 300 million people as we speak. The problem is, both these processes are hugely inefficient, both financially and economically. They use huge amounts of energy and the water they produce is necessarily costly. But work is now underway to develop a graphene-based membrane that would essentially act as an atom sieve, separating the salt from the H2O at the atomic level. In 2019, a global research team from the US, China and Japan published a paper that detailed how they used a graphene sieve to remove up to 97% of the salt from salt water cheaply and quickly. Right now, this technology is only experimental and it's still early days. But if it can be developed and used on an industrial scale, this planet could finally say goodbye to its water woes and shortages forever, helping billions of people around the world to stay hydrated. And that was Random Interesting Facts. Thank you for listening, and I'd absolutely love to hear your comments and suggestions for future episodes. And also be sure to like, review, and subscribe. And if you have your very own random interesting fact that you're just bursting to share with me, then tweet it using the hashtag RIFPodcast, that's R-I-F podcast. Each week I'll choose my favourite fact from my lovely listeners, and shout it out at the end of my next episode. And thanks again for listening.